Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. John chapter 1. How many brought your Bibles today? Amen. What's the rest of you coming with? How many brought a Bible or got it on your phone or iPad or something? Raise your hand. All right. You don't go to farmers without a fork. So make sure you bring your Bible in some form to the church house. John chapter 1, verse number 35. John chapter 1, verse number 35. Very familiar story. And uh, so let's read. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Verse 39. Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Verse 41. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon. And told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas or Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew in Peter's hometown. Verse 45. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, explained Nathanael. Can anything good thing come from Nazareth? Can God build it? God can't build a church in all good. That's what they told me. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. I tell you what, I pray one day that the Lord will say that about me. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. As we begin this morning, I would like to ask you for just a second to personally reflect back on the moment you asked Jesus into your heart. It may have been a church service. It may have been a home Bible study, um, a conversation with a friend, or as it was with Tyler's baseball hitting coach who approached me one one day after one of Tyler's lessons. He said, Pastor Eddie, can I talk to you for a second? And we stepped off to the side, and he asked me about Jesus, and I told him, and he prayed right there in that hitting cage 
asking Jesus to come into his heart. Whether it was in a church service where you responded to a formal invitation to accept Jesus, or possibly just a friend offered to pray with you over a cup of coffee. Let's for a moment, each one of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, if you can remember... (laughs) Some of you might have to go back in files before the Civil War. If you can remember, just let's reflect back on a moment, the moment that you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's do that just for a moment right now. Everybody remember? Regardless of how it happened for you, I want to remind every one of us, the God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, The God of the Bible is a missionary God who graciously pursues people. The God of the Bible is a missionary God who graciously pursues people. God's pursuit always involves the work of the Holy Spirit. And and 99% of the time, 99.99% of the time, it involves proclamation of His people, the church. God's pursuit of people always involves the work of the Holy Spirit. And 99.99% of the time, He always uses people as His hand extended and His feet reaching out to people. John chapter 6 verse 44 says it this way, For no man can come to me. Jesus said this way, For no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. See, every one of us, when we came to Jesus, before we ever got there, before we ever confessed and was obedient to the faith, every one of us were already being pursued by a missionary God. Notice what it says, For no man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So the Holy Spirit was working on you long before you ever accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit daily is pursuing people without Christ. Every day He is lovingly convicting and extending a hand of love and forgiveness to people who do not know Jesus Christ every single day. And often, often... 99.99% of the time, the demonstration of love and forgiveness from God comes through the local church. So that's the reason why the way we treat people is important. It's it's kind of bad when we come in here and lift our hands and say, what a beautiful name he is, and then get out there tomorrow and cuss out somebody who does something we don't like. See, see, he is, he is working, pursuing people all the time. And 99.99% of the time, his hand extended and his feet to get to them are you and I, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Amazing verse of Scripture. Listen to what it says. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Verse 18. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. 
God has given us. Who's us? Those who have been born again. God has given us this task, not God. He's doing his job to pursue. It's our job to reconcile. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. Verse 20, we are Christ ambassadors. Who? Those who are born again. Christians. The body of Christ. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. See, everyone who comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit is at work. And 99.99% of the time, he works through the church. We, the body of Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We walk for Christ. We live for Christ. We work for Christ. We talk for Christ. We spend our money for Christ. Everything we do, it's in Him we move, we live, we have in our being. And when we talk and when we present ourselves and when we invite and when we live our daily light out in, in front of people, life in front of people, we are appealing, we are speaking for Christ. And we plead, come back to God. But what good is it to plead, come back to God, when the life we're living is no different than the life they're living? See, that's why it's important. That's why it's extremely important that we not just be Christians on Sunday in church, but we be Christians every single day of the week. You see, the church exists to proclaim the gospel and to demonstrate the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. That's why we're here. That's the only reason we're here. We're not a social club, although I love social functions. We're here to proclaim the gospel and demonstrate the love of Christ to a lost and dying world. If we are faithful to our calling of being the body of Christ, we will be reaching people with the good news of Jesus and welcoming them into our community of believers. If we're faithful to what we're called to do, we'll be reaching people, talking to people, living our life of holiness and Christ-likeness in front of people, and then we'll be welcoming them into our community of believers. Pursuing people with the gospel and welcoming people into our community should be routine for Christians who attend Family Worship Center. Here's something you and I must understand. Our spiritually lost family and friends are waiting for an invitation to come to church. Our spiritually lost family and friends are waiting for an invitation to come to church. You know, they tell us, uh, you know, it's a big move now. You see churches starting all over the nation. New churches start. And a lot of them start in schools. They start in rented buildings. You see all these new churches, these banners up. I saw one at the Boys and Girls Club. They're renting their facility on Sunday morning. They're starting. I saw one over here at the John Pittard uh, Elementary School starting. You see them in all these schools starting. And you know why these new churches are starting? They're starting because statistics prove that people who get involved in a new church are more uh, motivated to invite people to come to their church than people who are settled into established church. That's why they're doing it. 
Because evangelism works better in a new church. First of all, people know if they don't invite people to come, their church isn't going to survive. But number two, they're excited about what's going on. And people who are settled into an established church have a tendency to just kind of relax. It doesn't mean they're not good people. It doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. We just kind of tendency to relax. Well, they've been here. They'll be here. Whether I invite somebody or not really doesn't matter. They're going to be here. See? Our spiritually lost family and friends are waiting for an invitation. Look at John chapter 1 again, verse 40. Turn back to John chapter 1, verse number 40. Notice what it says. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Now notice this. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah. Verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John. It's interesting to note that the first thing that Andrew did when he encountered Jesus, that he went and found his brother, Simon Peter, and told him about Jesus. But Andrew not only told him, he brought him. Notice what it says in verse 42. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Andrew invited and escorted his brother to meet Jesus. I've noticed when I find an excellent restaurant, I tell people about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You find, and I'm telling you, if you, if you, if you find something bad, if you find a restaurant that doesn't do good, you might not go tell people about it, but if somebody ever brings it up, you'll be quick to tell them, boy, that wasn't no good, that wasn't no good. But I mean, if you find something good, you tell somebody about it. If you get a deal, some of you ladies, I know, I know. You know, I, I hang out over there when there ain't much work to do over at Lizard Thicket. And uh, I'll hang out, and I'll hear them talking to these ladies who, this our, the Amanda's women's boutique, they'll talk to these ladies who check out, and I'll hear her say, they'll say, this is our first time in here. And I'll hear, Amanda said it over and over, well, how did you find it? Well, so-and-so told me that I had to come by. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. The people who come to this church, the majority of new people who come to this church have heard about it. Word of mouth. When we find something that we like, find something that we experience that good, we want to share it with people. That's just the human tendency. We have a desire to share good experiences with people we love. Look at John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So notice, the Holy Spirit is pursuing Philip. See, Jesus went and found him. So the next day, Jesus is in Galilee, and he invites Philip to follow him. So Jesus is pursuing Philip. Every day, the Holy Spirit is pursuing your lost loved ones and lost friends. He's pursuing them. The God of the Bible is a missionary God who graciously pursues people. Look at verse 45. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. Jesus pursued Philip. Philip went and got Nathaniel. We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Jesus went after Philip. Philip went after Nathaniel and brought him to Jesus, told him about Jesus. 
Recently, Lifeway Researches, which is the big research arm of the Southern Baptist Church, did a survey of 15,000 adults. 15,000 adults. And uh, they did this survey in America, 15,000 adults. And they asked them the most effective way to motivate these people to attend a church service. These were 15,000 people who were not going to church. 15,000 adults all across America, north to south, east to west. And they asked them, what is the most effective way it would be to motivate you to go to church? 67% of Americans say that a personal invitation from a family member would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 67%, two-thirds of them say, the most effective way that I would be motivated to come to church is if a family member or a friend invited me to church. Now, as I share that statistic, I hear what I've heard many times. Well, I've asked them, and they won't come, and I don't want to bug them. How many have done that? You've asked some family members, and they know, and I just don't want to bug them. They won't come. You Remember, every day the Holy Spirit is pursuing them, and daily life changes. And what they were, they were not interested two years ago... But their life has probably flipped two or three times since then. And the Holy Spirit, even though they weren't interested, has not got disinterested in them. And He continues to pursue them. And I guarantee you, if you ask them today, this might be the season they're ready to come. Have you invited them lately? We must remember... Life changes daily, and the God of the Bible is a missionary God who graciously pursues people, and this season might be their time to say yes. Here's a very familiar passage. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, verse number 5. John chapter 4, verse number 5. Eventually, Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, and near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. (laughs) How many of us spiritually don't have a rope and a bucket? And she said, this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides you, do, do you think Jacob... Do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water what I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Verse 17, I don't have a husband. 
The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. Now look at verse 28. Jump down to verse 28. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Verse 30. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. The historical context of this story is understood, and it's easily understood. It lets us know this woman is an outcast in the city because of her lifestyle. None of the women of the city, the married women in the city, would let their husbands have anything to do with her because she had already had five husbands, and the man she was living with was not her husband. The reason she came to the water The well, at that time of day, it was all alone. She was the only one coming. It's because the women came in the morning. She came at midday because she didn't want to be ridiculed by the women. She's an outcast of the city. But what I want you to see is even though she's an outcast, when she encounters Jesus, it so changes her that the first thing she does, she goes and tells people, and people who saw her as an outcast flock to see Jesus Christ. Who wouldn't come help her at the well. They wouldn't come help her at the well. Get her water. They wouldn't spend the time of day for her. But when they saw the transformation that took place in her attitude, the same person who had run was running for, from people and was ashamed to be around people, when she encounters Jesus, she gets rid of her shame, and now she runs to the people that once shamed her, and now she's telling them to come see Jesus, and, they'll, and they in turn come and see Jesus Christ. See, the Holy Spirit is constantly pursuing people. And 99.99% of the time, His pursuit is through you and I. His pursuit. Who would have ever thought? Who would have ever thought a woman that was the outcast of the city would become the greatest evangelist in the history of that village? Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The woman's encounter with Jesus made her forget her shame. And gave her boldness to invite the very ones who had been critical of her to come and see Jesus. This, this survey went on to say, 63% of Americans say, a personal invitation from a friend or neighbor would be very or somewhat effective in getting them to visit a church. 15,000 adults are surveyed. 67% of them say, If a family member invites me, that would be effective in getting me to come to church. 63% say, if it's not a family member, if it's just a a friend, a neighbor, that would be effective in getting me to come to church. You know what this survey tells us? In America, people are open to an invite to visit a church, especially from a family member. Or friend. But one simple invitation isn't necessarily going to result in subsequent attendance. 
Neighbors may come because of an invitation, but they stay for the community. Number two, people are attracted to community. Why is it that the statistics reveal that many of our unchurched friends are ready for an uh, invitation to church? Why is it that we just read the statistics, 67% say, I'll come if somebody will invite me. It'll motivate me to come. 63% say, I'll, I'll be motivated to come if a friend invites me. 67 said, I'll be motivated to come if a family member invites me. So why is that, that people are open in this carnal, secular, godless world? Why are they open for an invitation to church? In our post-Christian nation, and see, you've got to remember that, America is not a Christian nation any longer. We were founded on Christian principles, but this thing turned several years ago. America is not a Christian nation. We are a post-Christian nation. People who are skeptical of the faith are often attracted to the Christian community before they're ever attracted to the Christian message. Do you hear me? People are attracted to the Christian community before they're ever attracted to the Christian message. Here's something to understand. To preach at the unchurched without connecting with the unchurched is ineffective. Just tell them, you need to get saved. You need to change your life. You need to repent. Turn or burn. That stuff doesn't work nowadays. To preach to the unchurched without being connected with the unchurched is ineffective. You say, why is that? Because as beings created in the image of God, we have a deep need to be in relationship with others. We reflect God. That's who we are. He's Trinitarian with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's in perfect fellowship with other members of the Godhead. This necessitates our innate need for community. People are attracted to community. And here's what I've learned. In our world, people are more connected than in any other previous generation. Yet they're lonelier than ever before. People are connected more than... I mean, when could you and I... I I remember, I just think about it the other day when I was driving. I left my office and I I got on the phone right when I left. I forgot to do that. I called back to the office and I said, I forgot to do this. Could you check on this for me? How many times, how many of you remember the days before cell phones? Do any of y'all remember that day, the day before cell And we would get in here and we'd take off 500 miles. I'll call you when I get there. 18 years old, I take off from home, never been away from home, going off to college 500 miles away. I said, I'll call you when I get there. Who would allow their 18-year-old now to leave the house and go 500 miles to a place they've never seen before, that you've never been before, and they just call me when you get there? Now, somebody say, well, my kid, I'll pay you to do that. Just, Just get out of here. We are so connected nowadays. How many of you have learned that you, it's tough now going out to eat with somebody and just sitting there and have a conversation without having a conversation with everybody they're having a conversation with on the phone? And our daughter is so good with her phone. I'll say, put your phone up. Talk to me. You're 26 years old. Talk to me. Talk to me. Put your phone up. And she'll have her hands underneath the table talking and still carrying on a conversation. 
We are more connected today than we've ever been connected in our life. Yet we're lonelier than ever before. That's why people are wanting to be connected to a community. They are more attracted at the beginning to the Christian community than they are the Christian message. We must understand, we cannot mistake information for intimacy. And we cannot mistake communication for community. Virtual relationships are not complete. To put it another way, fellowship is not truly experienced apart from actual relationships in physical time and space. Social media may allow us to keep up with other people. But invitations to join our communities or relational circles are the only way for people to truly connect with others. Let's never underestimate the power of a simple invitation. When we invite someone to church, we are the feet of Jesus. Not just the feet on Facebook. We're the feet of Jesus bidding them on Christ's behalf. So I've given you some statistics today about how important it is to invite somebody. So let me just ask, when was the last time you invited someone to church? There is someone in your circle. There is someone in your circle that the Holy Spirit is pursuing. Remember, he's a missionary God, continually pursuing people. There is someone in every one of our circles who the Holy Spirit is pursuing, and they're waiting on an invitation. They're simply waiting on an invitation. You know what? It's often easier to find a church that preaches the Bible, has good worship, and offers excellent child care than it is to find a church where we can make genuine, lasting friendships. You can go to several churches in this town and have good worship. You can go to several churches in this town and get pretty good preaching. You can go to several churches in this town and have excellent child care, but there ain't a lot of churches you can go in this town and make genuine, long-lasting friendships. Genuine friendships are becoming rare. And the more rare something becomes, the more valuable it becomes. So if that be the case, why don't we emphasize here at Family Worship Center things that are valuable, which are friendships. I want to challenge this morning as I close the FWC family to join me in turning up the friendly and friendship thermostat. I want to invite you. I want every one of you who are here. Everybody say, well, I don't get involved. Well, it's time you can, you can be friendly. You can be friendly. You be free. Someone's eternal welfare is dependent upon you. You need to get involved in somebody's eternal welfare. I want every one of us to take this challenge to turn up the friendly and friendship thermostat here at Family Worship Center. Every Sunday, when someone new comes into this building, every Sunday, we want to give everyone in this building a gift. We want to give them a gift. Oh, I know what some of you think. Get ready. He's getting ready to take up another offering for a bunch of gifts. No, I'm not. We want to give everyone who's in this building. We want everybody that's in this building, whether you're new or long term, we want everybody who's in this building to always receive a gift every time they come 
to this church. A gift. A gift? What kind of gift? Here we go. Gift. G. Greet someone you've never met before. We want everybody that comes in this church, whether you're new or to greet someone you never met before. Can I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone? Some of you sit at the same place, the same seat, all the time. You speak to the same people. There's nothing wrong. We're so glad you're here. But would you get out of your comfort zone and greet somebody you've never met? How many times, you know... I've done this for several months now. They say don't do the meet and greet thing, but I do it just to prove a point. Some of you, I'll say, now get out and meet somebody you want to... And you know you don't do it. You just stand there. You don't... You just stand... And then you get mad because people don't do what you ask them to do. You reap what you sow. See? You reap what you sow. Greet. Find someone whose name you do not know and learn it. Learn it. Discover something about them. They're amazing people. They're, they're just some of the most amazing people in this city. And if you don't know them, you'll never know the adventure that they might bring to your life. Get to know them if they've been around for a while, but you just haven't met them yet. Or offer to sit with them if they come to church alone. So everybody gets a gift. They get a greeting. Everybody, get don't it? I want to encourage you, don't come in this church and go straight to your seat and sit there like a knot on a log. Greet somebody. Everybody gets a gift. Number two, no, the second thing, I, introduce people to each other. Introduce people. If you meet somebody, introduce somebody to someone else. After meeting someone, make sure they meet others too. Connect people with people they have in common. Introduce a first-time guest to the pastor. I love it when some of you bring people up. Pastor, this is their first time here. I love that. Introduce them. Introduce, if they have children, introduce them to our children's pastor. If they have youth, introduce them to our youth pastor. If they can sing, introduce them to Lana. Just, just, introduce, just introduce people to people. Greet somebody. I want to challenge you. I, we don't have the money that some churches have. We don't have the facilities that some churches have. We don't have the history that some churches have. We don't have a reach into the fabric of this community that some churches have. We don't have the exposure in this community that some churches have. But everybody that comes through these doors, life can be changed if they're greeted. And if they're introduced to someone else. I introduce. F, here's a good one. Follow up on someone you met recently. Find that person you met a week or two ago and say hi again. Look for them. Here's a good thing. Call them by name. Remember, you remember their name. Engage in further conversation. Include them in their group, your group of friends. Invite them to your life group. Invite them out for lunch or coffee. Invite them out for lunch or coffee. Recently, Bill and Misty McDowell uh, left. He, was, he re- accepted a position at Bradley University. He was here for two years at MTSU as the chair of the entrepreneurial department at the MTSU, and he accepted that same assignment up at Bradley, and they left. 
And, you know, a person like him, I mean, he's, he's meeting with the governor on down, people on a, on a regular basis. There's people inviting him to church all the time. He told me, he said, man, I bet I've been invited to 20 churches by people I've met at the university or something of that nature. I said, well, why did you choose Family Worship Center? What was it? Why did you choose it? And I, I expected him to say, well, the preaching is just so much better. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just no comparison with the preaching over there. I mean, it's just the revelation. It's astonishing. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. That's what I expected him to say, but he never mentioned that for some reason. He said, well, just to be honest with you, uh, Chris and Shelley invited us out for lunch. Chris and Shelley invited us out for lunch. Chris Griffith and Shelley Griffith invited us out for lunch. It wasn't the dynamic preaching. It wasn't the wonderful worship. It, it wasn't the youth ministry. It was somebody connected with them and became their friend. People are waiting for an invitation, but they will stay because of friendships, community. And people will connect to your community before they'll connect to your message. So follow up. One of the, one of the, the, the I, it blows me away still to this day, but continually we get reports from people who have started coming to Family Worship Center because of the visitation ministry on Sunday afternoons. They come to church, and I've heard it over and over again. That afternoon, somebody's knocking on our door, and that church has already located me and come told me how much they appreciated me coming. A follow-up. People are looking for community. So everybody's going to receive a gift. They're going to receive a greeting. They're going to receive an introduction. And when they come back again, they're going to receive a follow-up. And then finally... A T, thank someone who did something you appreciate. Imagine a church in which everyone greeted, introduced, followed up, or thanked someone every week. Imagine a church where everybody's, thank you, thank you, thank you for being an usher, thank you for being a greeter, thank you, thank you. Every month you pass out these communion, thank you, thank you, Jamie, for putting that up on thank you randy thank you to the children thank you to the nursery work thank you so very much thank you so very thank you for cleaning thank you for doing this people plenty of times they thank me and i appreciate that and i'm and that's so uh, so warm and 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 encourages me but there's so many people that make the church go thank them wouldn't that be an exciting place to go that everybody that walks in the door is greeted, everybody that walks in the door is introduced to somebody new, everybody that walks in the door is followed up with, and everybody that walks in the door is thanked. We're going to give them a gift. It doesn't cost you any money, just a little effort. Somebody this week, the Holy Spirit has been working to pursue them. And you drive by them, you walk by them, you talk to them every day. And this might be the week that they're open to receive an invitation to join you in church. Are you the feet of Jesus, bidding them to come? Or are you just a picture on Facebook at the beach of your own nasty, dirty feet? I want to be the feet of Jesus. 
Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.